Where's my pastor Brett? Pastor Brett was supposed to preach this morning. So uh, after our meeting last Thursday, he said, uh, my, my cousin just passed away. And so he said, I have to be there. Is it okay if I won't be in church on Sunday? What do you say? He <laughs> said, brother, yes, that's where you need to be. You need to be with your family and minister to them. And so I've been hitting for him. But at the same time, I believe God has a message for you this today. You know, like what was asked by our sister a while ago. You know, when you come to church, a lot of us have burdens. Maybe it's a bunch of personal burdens for your children, your, your relationship, your family. Maybe this is even burdens in your job, your work. Maybe, the, maybe there's so much demands there and there's a lot of pressure. Maybe some of you are very, pretty much aware of what's happening politically in our nation today. Our nation is very much divided. And by the way, even when you see all the impeachment proceedings, you can see a nation, how they all react to this. But you know what? When you think about the world too, it's even bigger too. What's happening, the coronavirus, now it's spreading. You know what's happened in the Philippines with the Tal volcano. You know what's happened in the Middle East, all over the world today. There is a desire and groaning for some kind of divine intervention. And church, let me remind you today. When you see what's happening, it just tells us the more that we need the Lord today. The resolution we have for our nation today is not based on people. The Bible says, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. I don't put my, my trust and faith in people. I put my trust and faith in God. God can use anybody today. Even secular people, he can use to carry this purpose. So it's my prayer as we have this message today. Pray with me that God will use this message because this is a continuation of the message last Sunday. If you get the principles I'm about to share with you, this will help you not only in your job, your family, I should deal with all kinds of burdens and needs that you and I are facing today. These are biblical principles. You will never go wrong when you follow God's word too. But let me remind you, God has promises for us. If you obey him and follow him, what did he say? I will bless you. I will make things go for you even when things are hard. I will be there for you. I will bless you. That's his promise. Let me tell you. He also promised, if you disobey me, you become unfaithful. If you turn your back on me, I will discipline you. I will punish you. That's God's promise. Have you noticed the promise? There's good that can happen. There's also punishment. And church, I pray for our nation too. Because when a nation turns their back on God, God can also discipline the nations as well. But there's promise for the restoration. Shall we pray? Lord, I know you've led us as a church to go to the book of Nehemiah. And when we look at what happens in the life of the people of Israel, as they had been placed in exile from a nation that they didn't want to be, but because of their unfaithfulness, she brought them there. And God, that can also happen to us today. It's easy for us to, get, to forget about the Lord. So Lord, help me today as I share your word. God, give us hearts that are willing to receive what is going to be shared, our minds that we're willing to change whatever thoughts we have is not proper. I also pray that you help me, Lord, as your servant today. That I may give you word with clarity, with boldness. That I can speak as an authority from God's word. Not my own authority, but your authority. So give me that unction that comes from the Lord. That your people may receive it with gladness and willing to do something. <coughs> this is our prayer. We ask this in the beautiful, most beautiful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen and amen. All right. I decided to call this message Push Plan. I, I first called it Prepare. Just to give you an update of where we are last Sunday. Remember when I shared with you? Nehemiah, God started to deal with the life of Nehemiah at the time when Israel was in exile, the Jewish people. Everything was going well with him. Think about this. He was a cupbearer, remember? He was right there where the king needed to be, somebody he could trust. He would drink the food and taste the wine. Anything that had to go to the king, it had to go through him. For him to reach that point as an exiled boy, a refugee, to the point that he's going to be, let's use the word, at the White House, it took a lot of time for him to reach that kind of level. Let, let me use the word, where he was accepted by the king. Everything was going well. And church, let me, let us, let me warn, warn you today. Sometimes when we are experience goodness in our lives, it's easy to forget the Lord. You know, a lot of us are in America today. Whether you like it or not, we are blessed because there are people way ahead of us that came to this country, had a vision that this country may one day be great. We're in, they started in God we trust. You and I are benefiting from this, you know that? Not because you work hard for it, but somebody said it way back there, how this nation will be started. But the nation can turn away from God too. But by the way, let me show you, that's what, that's what happened with Israel. When they turned from God, they were exiled. They were under all kinds of rulers. And when they were in, East, when they were in, in, in Babylon, let's, let me put it this way, in Persia. That was the place where, in Susa, which is part of the Persian Empire. The Lord dealt with Nehemiah. Everything was going well, right? In other words, he, he could eat whatever he wanted. He had, he, had, he had the ear of the, of the king. And whatever he did, he says, hey, this is the best. God steers him up. And God shows to him a burden that he could not get away from him. And I don't know you today. We all have burdens. So try to apply it this way. God may be steering you up you are right now for burdens that you're carrying. Like what I said, it could be a personal burden. It just doesn't go away. So God, you need to intervene for this. It may be a family burden. Say, God, I don't know what to do about my family situation. God, will you please help me? Maybe it's about a city and not about a nation like America today. You're burdened. If you're not burdened, I pray one of these days you might be burdened. Some of you are burdened about the things in the Philippines. I, I heard from Don last Sunday. Her family is being affected by the Dal volcano. There's burden there right now. People are losing their jobs. And now you hear about the coronavirus. I'm saying there's burdens all over. Think about this. Nehemiah was burdened. God started to steer his heart right there and then. Now, let me give you one more background here. This problem of the Jewish people wanting to go back to Jerusalem, that was God's promise. They wanted to go back. I want to go back to the Philippines where I came from. They wanted to go back, but they couldn't go back. And so what would they have to do? There were different attempts. Just let me give the background. The first attempt, is a group came back. They could not rebuild the temple. The kingdom of Jerusalem. Twelve years before Nehemiah started to write uh, the story, Ezra went to Jerusalem to rebuild it. It was stopped. Even the king gave the order, right? Ezra, you can go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Afterwards, there was opposition. What happened to the rebuilding? It was stopped. And so let me share with you, because that's what the situation is right now. What do you do when God gives you a burden? 
So remember from last Sunday, the other Sunday before this, Jeremiah, Nehemiah started to pray and fast. He said, God, for me to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, it's impossible. I don't know what to do. The king said, or the people, it's been stopped. You want me to do this? He was praying burden, but the burden kept growing. It wouldn't go away. And church, if that's where you are with whatever situation you are, welcome to the club. Because that's when you realize, God, I don't know what to do. It's when God humbles us that God will start to do something. Because if you can do it, you don't need God. Do it on your own. You can do it. But then you realize you cannot save your marriage, you can't save your children, you can save your job, you can save, you don't realize even this country, you can't save it, you need God. And so let's look at the verses today that we can read and, and be able to, to pursue from there, all right? Starting from Nehemiah chapter 2. You can see from there, and I'm just going to read it. If you want to read it with me, well, why don't we just read it? You can follow me as we read it. It's found in Nehemiah chapter 2. You can scroll it. But let me give you Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 8. Here's what it says. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? The second question. Remember the first question? Why, I, why do you look sad? What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Continue. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take? And when will you get back? Third question. It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asap, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me the timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand, church, if there's something I don't want you to forget, is that last phrase. Listen to what it is. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. How do you know if you have God's hand upon your life as you deal with your problems? If you don't have that, I don't know how you're ever going to do this because this was an impossible task. Let me show you also what, how it gets started. If you notice here, very specific of all places, they give you the time and place, and also exact time when this took place. In other words, it's like four months after. In other words, he prayed for after four months of fasting, praying, let me use the word, even planning, the Lord brought him before the king. He does, he does this every day. 
this is a statement here that you want to notice here. I had not been sad in the presence of the king. Remember this. You cannot go into the presence of a king during the time with a sad face. The king was supposed to be your provider. He was supposed to be making you happy. In other words, he was seen almost like a god. And so if you come before the king sad, you know what you're saying? King, you cannot provide for me. You cannot meet my need. Not only that, if you are a cupbearer, you're supposed to what? Cheer up the king. Don't you dare come before him with a sad face. However, notice this. Because Nehemiah knew the king for so well, the king noticed everything about Nehemiah. Have you ever noticed this about you and your wife or your husband? When you are seeing somebody that you love, you know so well, she might say, fine. But deep inside you say, there's something wrong. Am I correct? You cannot hide that face. You know, I'm here in church on Sunday. We go around saying, how are you doing? I can see faces here on Sundays. Last, the other Sunday, I, even the other Sunday, I, I know faces when I say, how are you doing? You know, we have been saying, how are you doing? What did we, what did we, what did we say fine? What did you say, I'm not fine? How would you react? Have you, have you tried that? Somebody in the office, oh, how are you doing today? I'm not fine. <laughs> you really want to know why I'm not fine? They're not ready for that because they, they, they're expecting you to say, fine. Okay, lang, right? Right here, he might have said fine, but the king knew Nehemiah so well that his face could not hide it. Even if he smiled. You know, you, we have expression, parang eating asshole. Like smile like a dog. How are you? Fine. But deep inside, you know it's forced. He was sad and he couldn't keep it. Look what he said. Why does your face look so sad when you're I know you're not sick. You'll be sick. Your face really shows so well. And this is the statement that you need to understand. I was afraid. Church, there are things sometimes we don't want to share with anybody. There are burdens that may be there. Here he could have lost, lost his life. As a matter of fact, he could have said, put him aside. Put him to death. You have no right to be sad in front of my face. He was afraid. Not only for his life, but what could happen about the plans that he was talking about. In other words, does, does he know what's happening with me? He was afraid. There are many things going through his mind right now. Let me ask you. When you go to problems, you have a lot of things going through your mind right now. Burdens. What can I do? What's going to happen? What happens if they find out about my problem? That was his situation. Now, let me also give you another background here. The situation was that Nehemiah knew that God had plans for the people of God. Let me just give you a background here. When they left Israel, Jerusalem, to go to where they were, God told them, hey, by the way, you guys settle down. When you're there, build houses, get married, have children. By the way, that's part of him getting married today, is to have children. I've got problems with even marriage they, when they don't even think about children. You can have marriage, I have children even outside, outside of marriage. Here, it was all about God's plan. Build, grow, here, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. In other words, God says, wherever you are, you bless those people and the place where you are. Let me ask you, now that you're in Kerry, 
now that you're in Durham, now that we're in this place, are we blessing people because of our presence? Oh, I pray that you can become the people of God because wherever God places us, it's for a purpose. They were there to do something. Pray that the Lord will prosper you. In other words, God said, I want to prosper. Yes, I took you out from this place, but wherever I place you, I want to prosper you. So you're not going back to Israel for a long time. In other words, it was over 140 years that before they even went back, before this happened. In other words, stay put. Here it is. As he was telling them, one of these days, you're going to go back where? Because I'm going to bring you back to Jerusalem. One of these days, I will, he said. For I know the plans. You know this verse here? Have you ever noticed that this has been taken out of context? Yes. Oh, I have plans for you, sister. Plans for you, good plans for you. You know the context? This one was for the people in the exile. It was not for you and for me. However, we can get the principles here, all right? So listen carefully. Like I said last time, not all the promises in the Bible is for you. It was for certain people, but you can get the principles that God can use. It says here, by the way, I will bring you back. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will punish you. Remember that. And God says, I got plans for you if you obey me. This Jeremiah spoke, and Nehemiah knew about this. He said, I want this to happen. And so let's continue. So he's in front of the king. And by the way, he's part of how God is going to use us today. Let me just uh, uh, reverse back here. If God gives us a problem, number one, you better recognize that you have a problem, that there is a problem. People who are proud people will never recognize that they have a problem. They think that they can solve it. God is going to bring to the point that you are so helpless that you can't do anything about this. Number one, recognize there is a problem. Nehemiah said, Lord, there's a problem. I don't know what to do. Second, you personally need to be concerned about the problem. Don't say, oh, well, my problema. That's it. Right? Some people say, hey, there's a lot of problems. And they don't do anything about it. Nehemiah saw the problem and he personally took it as a concern that God put upon his heart. Recognize. Secondly, personally be concerned about the problem. Third, you better start praying. Pray and fast and ask for God to do something about this. Now, fourth, and this is where the word push comes in. Pray until something happens. The word push, the word push, P-U-S-A. You keep praying, Lord, I keep praying for four months. Pray until something happens. This is what happens when you keep on praying. God opens up the door, all right? But then it says, may the king live forever. Oh, he knows how to go before the king. God, a king, you're a great king. In other words, this is the right protocol here. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Have you, ever, have you noticed he, he didn't even say Jerusalem? He said, King, why would I be sad? The place where my ancestors are from, it's in ruin. As a matter of fact, it's one of the places that you own. And the king heard about that concern. By the way, right here, he didn't have to say this. He could have said, uh, no, it's okay, king. But no, right there he was led. The king said to me, what is it that you want? What a question. So, Anugustamo, what is it that you want? What a way for him to ask. Then I pray to the Lord God of heavens. Now, church, stop right there. 
before you ever do something, before you ever know you're about to commit yourself to something, this is one statement that he had to do. He said a short prayer before the Lord. Before you reach your senior boss, and you're supposed to be, you're being called, right? And say, Lord, I don't know why I'm being called to the, to the office today, right? Maybe, maybe a child, or maybe your parents have called you, anak, punta ganito. You're a child, are you in trouble? Lord, you know, oh, you have a project. God, before I preach, I wouldn't even pray. I say those things. Before I, I meet somebody and there's a problem, Lord, I make a simple prayer. By the way, can you see how long the prayer was? It's just so short. It's not a matter of long prayer. Lord, I don't know what to do. I need your help right there. And I answered the king. I like to see what he says here. And this one is answered. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in me, let him what? Send me. He was saying, King, this is the situation. If it pleases you, King, you can do something about this. And the first thing that he asked for was what? Authority. King, why don't you send me to go and fix Jerusalem? By the way, Jerusalem was a very strategic place, even today. If you look at the map, it's one of those corridors that people from Europe and down to Africa, they had to pass. It was the perfect route. And that's why everybody wanted to get this strategic place. Why is everybody so concerned about Israel? It's the one that connects Europe from, from the south. That's why everybody's fighting for this space. You control this, you control the passage. He was saying, King, you got five with me? Send me. Give me authority. Because this will do well not only for you, but for restoring my place. Send me to the city of Jerusalem, uh, Judah, where my angels are buried, that I can rebuild. He was asking for authority. Why don't you send me? He didn't say, King, you know, he, he could have said, King, those people in Jerusalem, man, they're so lazy. They're a bunch of losers. They got rulers there, they haven't done anything. He could have made all kinds of negative things about those people. But instead, he says, Why the King, why don't you send me so I can do something about this? Let me remind you here. When you start praying for a problem, are you willing to be a part of the answer to that prayer that you're praying about? There was a problem. I said, God, am I willing to be a part of the answer to my prayer? Be careful when you pray for people with needs. Because God can use you. Don't just say there's a need. He prayed, but then says, Lord, am I willing to be a part? Send me. And so the first thing he asked for authority. Then let me ask you, then, then he goes farther. The queen was sitting beside him, all right? And then how long will you be on a journey? In other words, there was a, that's a third question. Okay, if I send you, how long will you be gone? It tells us not only do you pray, because notice as his hand answered. And when we get back, if it pleased the king to send me, there it is, give me authority. So, so I set a time. If it pleases the king, may I have the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide for me safe conduct. He was asking not only for authority, for permission. King, give me the permission to go there and also give me safe security so I can make it. Because by the way, from Jerusalem to Susa, it's over, over a thousand miles just to get there. It's going to take them maybe months just to get there. In other words, I need safe conduct. What else? By the way, he says, send a letter to Asap, the keeper of the royal park, to give me what? Give me timber. 
to make the beams for the gates, the temple, the city wall, and for my residence. What does it tell us here? When the king asked him what he will do, he had a plan. Church, if you pray without planning, it means that you are not doing your homework here. He was saying that God says, God, would you please reveal to me what is it that you want me to be doing? What is your vision for the city? In other words, you've got a problem, you want it to be resolved. What would it look like if God was going to do something about that? You've got to have a plan. And so but people say, if you fail to plan, you're going to have plan to fail. And that's true with anything here today. If you have a problem, you better come up with a plan. Not only you pray, pray hard, but also come up with a plan. He knew exactly what to ask. He asked for authority, he asked for permission, and he asked for resources. He knew exactly what he would be needing it for and how long. And church, we need the same thing to Lord. Lord, will you please help us if we're going to be used by God? And then here's the statement that I want us all to remember. And because the gracious hand of God was with me, the king granted my request. Now here's how it's going to look like. I'm going to use it here as a conclusion here. So the question is, how do I know that I have God's gracious hand upon my life as I try to resolve my problems, as I try to deal with my problems? So let me give you a few principles down here that is so clear in scriptures. Number one, if you want to have God's hand upon your life, you need to confess your sins. This goes back to Nehemiah chapter 1. You may be said, I, your servant Lord, have sinned, not only me, my family and people of God, we have sinned. Let me make it clear. You want God to bless you and your plans? You better be rightly for God. So let me ask you a simple question. When was the last time you fully confessed all your sins before God? All your sins. I remember one of our teachers when I was in, in Bible school, I could never forget this. And he said to us, he could remember, he said, let me tell you a story. There was one person who wanted to be used by God. Not, and not everything was going well with his ministry. And the pastor said, we ask, the, the person asked us to do something about our lives. He said, I want you to go to your room confess your sins and come back. Because until this is dealt with, God cannot choose you. He said, we came back. Then he asked again, has everything been confessed? Everything? If not yet, you go back. In other words, he said, until we confessed everything before God could become before the Lord. That's what has to happen, number one. You need to confess your sins before the Lord. Okay, let me ask you the second question. When was the last time that only you confess your sin before the Lord? When was the last time that you truly have said, Lord, I know that you have forgiven me and I've experienced that forgiveness. If you can even say that means because you have not confessed sins before the Lord. Is it to be that our problems of today are bounding because we have turned our back on God? That's a simple, that's a simple thing. Confess your sins before God. If I want to solve your problems that's insurmountable, I can do it. That's what God says. Confess your sins before the Lord. Number two, 
if God starts to show us things about ourselves, you need to start to be passionate about what God wants you to be doing. Okay, Lord, I have confessed my sins, but Lord, what is it that you want me to be doing? In other words, what your heart desire is to do things that matters to God, not what you want. Have you ever thought about this? Could it be that your plans is not what matters really to God? Because if your plans does not matter to God, don't you expect God to do something about this? Because it's all selfish plans. Like warned you last time. If your plan to come to America is to just experience the great American dream, then you're missing out on the God's plan. But if you're here because God wants to bless you, so remember what I said in Jeremiah chapter 29? So that you can what? Bless others. That's what it is. But if it's all about you, you're missing the point. Because Nehemiah could just be, ah, oh, the great person dream. God woke him up and says, no, you need to do something with the blessings I gave you. How are you blessing other people because God has placed you where you are? With your job, with your accomplishments. Because if you don't believe me, if you don't do this, God promises, I will discipline you. I will punish you. Third. You must be willing to be used by God to be an answer to your prayer. So I should pray, Lord, I've confessed my sins. I want to do what matters to you. And Lord, help me to be an answer to my prayer. So what have you been praying for? If you've been praying for your family, that God will do something, you become a part of the answer to the prayer. You know why? Before you blame other people about their sins, it all starts with you. Have you noticed about sin? You always see the sins of other people. Lord, change that person. It starts with you. That's where it starts. Have you noticed this? It's always good to find somebody's fault. We want to make judgment. Yeah, I see that God judges them. Really? But God can also be dealing with you too because you are starting to point fingers at people you realize are sinners like you as well and like me. It starts right here. Confess your sins. Let me ask you, how many of you have seen even this morning coming to church? Yes or no? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. Because if you said no, I, I, I would try to say you've seen already. <laughs> right? I'm just, I'm just telling you. Right? You know, when you drive, maybe something that your wife did, or you, you know, got mad, you come into the church, you thought negative thought. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. Let me second question. So when was the last time you confessed your sins? Did you confess your sin? Many times you just let it just slide. God says, i got to deal with this. God cannot choose a vessel that is not fitted for the master's use unless you're willing to confess your sins. We must be humble enough to realize, I'm a sinner. And then, Lord, now that you've made me right, what really matters to you? What is it that you want me to do? And lastly, Lord, am I willing to be a part of the answer to my prayers? You know, as a church, we got a lot of prayer requests today. We got communities today that are dying without the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we don't care much about it. We pray. Have you noticed that? We pray a lot. What are we doing? He's showing us. God has placed you in the workplace. What have you done in the workplace to do today that is making a difference in terms of the things that matter to God? What about your family? Is there something in your family right now that needs to be resolved? God says, I can do something about that. So I'm going to use one simple uh, illustration about even applying this. 
I'm going to talk to you about the situation way back in, in Georgia. Let me talk about the church. You know, we are part of a church right there in then that had a community that was becoming so diverse. We saw the needs out there. There are a lot of refugees. And as a church, we just say, yeah, there's a need out there. It's so easy for us to pray once in a while, do something nice. But how are we going to be involved? I'm letting you know that we also talked about another church. How can we do this together? It was not easy. I'm letting you know, once you got a plan, because the next step to this, as you pray, as you plan, there will be oppositions. Watch out next Sunday, all right? You come back. How do you deal with oppositions? So don't miss the series, because it's all a part of this. You pray, plan. We start to plan things together, to do things. And let me let, 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 me let you know. Even as we decided to come as a church together to do things, there was a lot of opposition. We had cultural oppositions. We had demonic oppositions. And even today, the church where it is today, it's called Clarkson International Bible Church, has opposition even from the community. But let me tell you this. When we started to pray, when we started to seek the heart of God, God, what really matters to you? Is it about my church or their church? Or is it about your agenda of trying to reach more people with the gospel? We decided to come together. And as a result of that, the church today, Clarkston, is a church that is reaching people within the community. It's a church that has started to reflect the different cultures around it. But it's also a church under oppression. It's a church that is also being persecuted by the community. But I'm letting you know this. When what you know and what you believe matters to God, you are willing to stand for it. So here's what I would like for you to think about, even as we go to our Sunday school class in a few minutes here. If God is going to use you right now to be able to resolve the problems that you may be going through, they may, they may, they may be so insurmountable right now. It starts being, being right with God. So what is that sin that God can be pointing to you right now? Is it a sin of being just callous? Is it a sin of materialism? Is it a sin of pride? Is it the sin of I would call apathy. What kind of sin it might be that God's saying, you know what? I've got a problem with my wife, my children, my family, my friends. But you don't look at yourself. The problem may be right here. Because all the things that you thought about is just about yourself. Say, God, I'm sorry. Because my agenda seems to be not your agenda. It's all about me instead of about you. Confess your sins. Be humble. And say, Lord, what matters to me right now is what matters to you. Shall we bow heads in prayer? Well, every head's about and every eyes are close. The book of Nehemiah is an example of what could happen when people are willing to obey and follow the Lord. That in spite of where they are today, God can bless them and still use them. But at the same time, it's a stern warning that if you disobey me and you fall away from following me, God says, I will discipline you. I will punish you. Because I want you to turn back and come back to me. God loves you. He cares for you. But he doesn't want you to stray so far that he doesn't want you to just be so far that you no longer want him. God says, I want you back. That's the kind of God we have. Like the song says, he's the way maker. He'll make a way back for you to come back. He's a God and God promises. He promises he will be with you. He wants to prosper your life. But you've got to deal with it first. So while every head's about and eyes are close, you say, Lord, I have a problem. 
the problem is me and I, I need to confess my sins right now. Allow the Holy Spirit right now to point out things in your life that needs to be confessed. Stop resisting. Don't think that you have a problem. You need to be humble enough to realize if God wants to do something. Right where you are, say, God, just show me. I want to make it right right now. I want to confess all my sins. Nobody may know about this, but God does know what it is. So there's nothing you can hide before the Lord. Confess it before the Lord. And second, why don't you claim God's forgiveness and promise? The Bible says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. Give it to the Lord. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to defend this. I've done what is wrong in your sight. Claim his forgiveness right now. The cleansing that comes from Christ who paid the price and cleanses it all gives you a blank slate right now. And third, would you please tell the Lord, Lord, now that I've made it right with you, I want to do what really matters to you. Not what I want. Ask him to show you what to do with that problem, with a project, with the situations. God, I have this need right now. I want you to be glorified in this situation. Show me what to do, the Lord. And my desire is that you be glorified as a result of this. Do what matters to God. And lastly, when you face all kinds of opposition, when you face all kinds of challenges, Will you please be steadfast enough to hold up to the Lord and say, God, you got a plan. I want to do your will, not my will. I want you to be glorified, not me. When all this pressure comes around my life, dear Lord, I am going to trust you because you will accomplish something great in my life. If you pray that simple prayer, God can start something great even in your life right now. Whatever that burden might be, it can help you overcome it. So, Father, we commit to you all these prayer requests, all our confession. Our desire is to do your will, not our will. What matters to you? And, Lord, please, our desire most of all, let your hand be upon us, dear God. Lord, we want your good hand upon our lives. Fulfill your purpose to us. May we are blessing so we can bless others. This is our prayer, and our, all God's people say, Amen. Let's sing this closing prayer as part of our response. Let's all rise up and sing this last song.